We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, Notre Dame fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is my guy. That's Brian Driscoll. Boop. He's the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, showing off the, the Tommy Two Guns. Anyway, uh, so we are going to have a fun one today. Uh, obviously, you know, Marcus Freeman is the new head coach at Notre Dame, and everybody has very high expectations for what he can bring to the table. And he has high expectations about what he can bring to the table, which is fantastic. He's not talking about a five-year plan. He's talking about the here and now, and I think that is extremely exciting from a fan standpoint. Um, So we are today, we're going to talk about the five things that we believe Marcus Freeman needs to do to bring a national championship to Notre Dame. But before we do, we do have a little bit of business to take care yeah, of. Yeah, right? we got some conversations going on down here on the side. Utah Irish uh, says, T-shirt idea, if Marcus Freeman is as good as we think, gap increaser, let's face it, gap closer will be outdated in two to three years. <laughs> I'm still excited to rock mine when it gets here, though. Okay, so first of all, <clears throat> uh, and then he said, what about gap closed? So I think Utah Irish is somewhat new to the channel. So for anyone that doesn't remember, the when I actually have the design already done, the shirt has not been bought yet because there's no need to buy it right now because it's yeah. not going to happen this year. Right. But uh, I will wear a Gap closed shirt to the press conference or the post-game show, depending on whether or not I'm allowed at press conferences by then. Uh, but uh, – I'll have a gap closed shirt once Notre Dame wins a title because that's when the gap is closed. I that's mean, right. look, the gap's not closed until Notre Dame wins a title. The reason yep. we talk about Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, those programs, and we don't talk about chasing Georgia is because Georgia does, has as many titles as Notre Dame does, right? It's about chasing the teams that have won titles. Absolutely. And so until that happens, and I hope to goodness, Utah Irish, that we do have to retire the gap closer shirt. I mean, I hope that that gets retired in the next two, three years. And the reason it was funny that he's bringing this up and the reason we're talking about it is because it kind of fits into what today's topic is, That's right? right? Which is what does Marcus, what kind of program 
does Marcus Freeman need to build in order to get to the point where Notre Dame does close that gap enough to then go win a championship right. and then be a program that maintains that. So what you don't want to have is that as much as we might enjoy that magical season, you don't want to have the Auburn 2010 or LSU 2019 situation where you just happen to get that one great quarterback, you win with him, and then he's gone and dumpster fired, and then your yeah. coach is fired in two years. Right. You don't want to have that. It's about uh, it's about building a, a culture. It's about building a a program. Right. Lou Lou Samoja used to always talk about this, Vince, and it was one of the he said a lot of great things. But it was one of the best things he would say is it's about building a program, not a team. Right. Absolutely. And, and the program is is something. A program is sustainable. LSU had a great team in 2019. Alabama has a great program, which is what allows them for continued success. And that's the goal. The goal is to be Alabama. The goal is to be Clemson. The goal is not to be or Ohio State. The goal is not right. to be LSU, Auburn, or even Florida State, who won a title in 2013 and now is on what their like third, fourth coach since then, something like that, right? So that's kind of what the, this is, show is going to be about. And, you know, as Vince and I were talking about the, the five things that we think are important, you know, one of the things that, that, that has to permeate through all the keys to Marcus Freeman is you have to embrace Notre Dame. That's right. And, and Brian Kelly never truly embraced Notre Dame. Brian Kelly looked at things that were unique to Notre Dame as roadblocks, stumbling blocks, things that Excuses. held him back as opposed to embracing them like Lou Holtz did and saying, these are things that we're going to use as, as strengths and core principles of who we are. We talked to Oscar McBride was on our program several times. Love Oscar, but Oscar and I have talked many, many times about this. I had a chance to sit down with him and, and a former Notre Dame All-American. And, and we were sitting down there talking and, and I was asking about the academic piece, you know, uh, what was it like then compared to what it is now? One of the people's there, you know, is much more familiar with the program now, and they said there wasn't any difference. You know, there were some maybe some admissions things because, you know, back then you could do like Prop 48 and, you know, like the Tony Rice and Chris Zorch kind of thing. Right. He said, but no, the demands on us were just as difficult. And he said that the academic requirements, you know, Lou did the Tony Rice thing, but he wasn't allowed to do that anymore. If you remember the story about why they brought Tony Rice in and they let kind of Lou have that one because he'd already promised the kid. But it's like, yeah, this ain't happening anymore. But it was like we had the same demands and requirements that that they had relative to our peers, you know, and and but Co Coach Holtz embraced it. And he's like, you know, this is going to make you tougher and better and stronger. And it was never like, a, well, this is just who we are. You yeah, know, it right. was being who we are makes us better, makes us stronger. Right. And I think that's got to be at the, at the principle because Notre Dame can't be like everybody else. And some of these things, a couple of these things we're going to talk about are going to point to that. Like when it comes to building your football team and building your roster and, and the manners and the methods which with, with which you build your roster can't be like what Alabama does. It can't exactly. be like what this other team does. And for all the people that think Notre Dame needs to change to be more like Alabama, that you're not going to find a sympathetic audience here you know, on, on this side of the, of the cameras, because that's not what we believe makes Notre Dame unique. And Notre Dame's not going to win by being like everybody else. Notre right. Dame has to embrace who they are. And Brian Kelly can title chase and clout chase and do all those kind of things at LSU because that's a program that's going to do it the way he thinks it needs to be done. Marcus Freeman has to embrace that Notre Dame cannot win the same way right. Alabama does. Right. And, that, and that's that, okay. It, exactly. But if you're at Notre Dame, it's different. 
It just is, and you have to embrace it. And that's what Lou Holtz was saying last week when talking about Brian Kelly leaving and Marcus Freeman coming in. He said, he said, look, I've been around the program. He goes, Brian Kelly never embraced Notre Dame. He embraced what was good for Brian Kelly. And, you know, it, it is what it is. But if you truly want to be elite at Notre Dame, you have to embrace what Notre Dame stands for. And it's really important to do that if, if you want to take it to the next level. Look, Brian Kelly brought Notre Dame back from where they were to where they are now. And and that's great. But to get it to that next level, you really have to embrace everything that is Notre Dame and you have to use it to your advantage. And I think at least at this point, Marcus Freeman is saying all the right things for that to occur. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Before we dive in, Utah Irish with a super chat. Starter fund for the 12th championship IB shirt. When when we get there, we'll have something. I can I can right. assure you of that. Right. And exactly. then also we have something from John Climeck and when they win their second gap erased. So uh yes, and then if well if they win their second, it could be even gap gap widened yeah right because they're the ones setting the gap gap chasers you know (laughs) something like that where now they're the ones doing it and that but ultimately we joke because it's so this is why i love our our love our group this is not these are not plants these are not people i mean this is just they think they see championships and they start talking about our shirts right and 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 i think these are great tie-ins to what we're going to discuss but vince let's start off with the number one and when we talk about goals and we talk about keys, they're not like uh, they're not like uh, goals where once you've achieved it, you move on to something else. They are things that we believe to be foundational principles that have to always exist. They have to always be a part of what you do. They're ha- they have to be part of your DNA as a football team. So it's not go out and find a, a great quarterback in the 2023 class. That's not – I mean, that is true – but that's more of a byproduct of these foundational principles, right? So, you know, hey, uh, you have to have better skill. Uh, you need great DNs. You need right. a great quarterback. Those are all byproducts of the things we're going to focus on here. 
And so the, just keep that in mind. These are foundational principles yes. that have to be yes. in the DNA of what you do. Right. Yeah. It's not, we need to cover corner. Like that's not, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. That may be true, but that's <laughs> right. going to happen. You're going to get that cover corner. He's going to maximize his potential and play to right. his potential and be part of a championship team because of the foundational principles that make Notre Dame what they need to be. Mm-hmm. So Vince, let's start off with number one. And I think this is important. And, yeah. and these aren't necessarily order of importance, but they have to build on each other. And this one has to be at the heart of all the others. And that is Marcus Freeman needs to create a culture of accountability. And I don't believe there was a culture of accountability at Notre Dame in the last 12 years. And, and, and the reasons I say that is, is, number one, there were coaches who were, who were clearly not held to the same standard as other coaches. There were players that players. were held to a, a different standard than other than others. Uh, younger players seem to be held to a higher level of accountability than veteran players, which makes no sense to right. me. And just throughout, there just was this thing of, of, and, and it started at the top. You know, you can't, you have to be able to hold yourself accountable. And there right. were a lot of things that happened during Brian Kelly's tenure on and off the field that he was utterly unwilling to take any responsibility for. And, and it, and it just, it, once the head coach kind of sets that agenda, that's just where it's going to be. Marcus right. Freeman has to be willing to do that. And we've talked about that's one of the things that sort of ingratiated him to his players was when he made a mistake early in the season with a play call and he sent in the wrong call, he owned that, he stepped up to that. And that may not seem like a big deal to people, but with huge. players, it's huge. it's huge. Especially when you've been a part of a program where there is no consistency when it comes to an accountability standpoint. Right. If you say you don't go to class, you don't play, you can't say – you know, the, the little secret of unless you are so-and-so. Yeah, right. And, exactly. and you have to be willing to say, hey, look, if if Ricky Waters and Tony Brooks don't want to do what they need to do before we play the number two team in the country, we're putting you on a plane and we're sending you back home. That's what Lou Holtz did in 1988. Now, I don't know if you all remember, but Ricky Waters was a pretty important part of that football team in 1988. So was Tony Brooks. And Lou Holtz put him on a plane and sent him back home before the game at number two USC. If Notre Dame right. doesn't win that game, they don't play for a championship. Nope. And and there has to be that. If it's your starting quarterback, and and we're not talking about silly things because, number one, you shouldn't have sus- game suspensions for silly things. Exactly. If you're talking about suspending someone for a game or, or or whatever the case, whatever we're talking about, then it has that standard has to apply to everyone because once you stop applying that standard to everybody, then you create a cast system in your football program and it's much harder to win that way at a place like Notre Dame. Again, Notre Dame is different. And so I think that's an important thing yeah. that 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 needs to exist. And the players that I've and, – and people that I've talked to in the past that have had issues with this type of thing, it was never being upset with the player that got away with certain things. It was being upset with the coaches that allowed yes. that – you know, that inconsistent, because then somebody will say, well, hey, so-and-so did it, and that's okay, so I can go do it, and then that player would get in trouble. Right, exactly, and, and that's and, the problem. And you lose trust, because account, you can't have trust. Like, we could talk about, like, you have to have trust, but at the end of the day, you can't have trust if you don't have accountability. Right. Consistent accountability, and to right. me, that has to be at the foundation of, of what this program's about. One, it was, it was, it was inconsistent accountability. There, there were, like you mentioned, there were certain people that were held to different standards than others, right? And there were certain, there were certain players, and there were certain coaches that could make mistakes, and it was fine. And they, that would be the narrative in the media as well. There was excuses for certain coaches, and there was excuses for certain positions or position groups when they would not be up to the standard. Mm-hmm. And 
other position groups or other sides of the ball or other coaches would be thrown under the bus if something went wrong or if the outcome wasn't what was desired, right? And so it was inconsistent. And that is the biggest problem. And I mean, you can go back and you can see the narrative just written right there and, and how clear it was and who the propped up people in the program were and then who the scapegoat people were. And that's a problem. Uh, that's a huge problem, especially inside the program, because those guys have no idea what to expect. Right. In, mm-hmm. in, a, in a program with accountability. Look, you know, if you mess up that it's coming. Right. And that's OK. I mean, it happens. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's going to mess up. And and I'm talking, you know, messing up on the football field or in the classroom or whatever. When you have a when you have accountability, then that is something, number one, that goes away. And number two, you can trust that when something goes wrong, that it's going to get taken care of. And it's going to be the same across the board, no matter if you're a walk on or if you're a starter. Um, and, and I think that that's really, really important. And I, and I, I want to echo what you had to say about Marcus Freeman taking accountability as the defensive coordinator, the leader of the defense, right? And in a, in a play call that he, you know, was a poor play call and he owned it. And we heard from multiple sources, players, player families, whatever, that they were almost taken aback by that mm-hmm. because it, you know what I mean? And they, it's like at first they didn't actually. They a couple people didn't like believe it at first. They're yeah. like, Oh yeah, you say that now, but we're gonna get ripped tomorrow in the film session. Right. And it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that and, way. And that was early in the season. And so that set the standard and it set the accountability all the way through the rest of the season. And you could see guys buying in. You could you could mm-hmm. see it on the field, right? And that starts in the meeting rooms, it starts on the practice field, it starts with the accountability of the head coach of the defense, right? And believe me, that permeates. That's why you saw what we saw from the players throughout this whole process. So next, Vince, number two, you have to create a program where recruiting excellence is demanded. Yes. This is something that you're like, so we're not going to have one of the five keys is not like have a great coaching staff, right? Because that's a given. You need a great coaching staff. But what what create what what does a great coaching staff look like? And for right. me, for Marcus Freeman, it's about creating a, a a program that's that's geared towards recruiting excellence, right? What does recruiting excellence mean, right? We can just throw out these fun, catchy phrases, and but what does it mean? Number one, the entire operation has to be focused on a, a, the importance of recruiting. That means making sure that your back office is, is excellent when it comes to identifying players, getting transcripts, getting the information so coaches can do their job. It means making sure that you have the best people on campus when it comes to visits and things like that. Now, that is something Notre Dame's done a much better job of in recent years. The group of people they have that put on visits do a really good job for the most part. And and it means demanding excellence from your coaching staff, which means put in the work, be honest, be upfront, absolutely, make it a priority. If you're and and then part of that too is, and this goes back to point number one, when people don't do what they need to do as coaches, you need to be able to make changes, right? And and so you need to be able to say, hey, you're not getting the job done, you got to go, right? But here's the thing is. It doesn't always have to, and I've been consistent about this for a long time. It doesn't always have to be firing people. I'm right. going to use Dell Alexander as an example. Okay. Now, one thing we've said about Dell Alexander, well, we've said three things about Dell Alexander. 
not he has not been a good position coach at Notre Dame from a coaching standpoint, a development standpoint. He's done a really poor job of developing younger players. He's done a really poor job of creating the technique needed to thrive at the position. Okay, you need to demand that from him. We'll get into that. Right, number two, poor recruiter. Number three, yeah. great dude. Right, oh yeah, a guy that a lot of people like as a human being. Now, some of the players don't like him because some of the things he's done as a coach, like not be honest, not be trustworthy, right. those type of things. But just as a human being away from things, he's a really nice guy, right? So what Marcus Freeman has to do says, if you want that kind of person in your in your operation, then you need to sit down and have a come to Jesus moment saying, hey, here's the expectations. Okay, I'm not going to hold you accountable for what's for what's done because this is now. But here's what's expected of you now. What's expected of you now is, and then focus on the recruiting part is, this needs to be done. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm going to find somebody else. I personally would rather him find somebody else like now. Right. And we don't know if he's going to bring back Dell Alexander. More and more of the intel I'm hearing is that he will yeah. be brought back. But, you know, that could just be let's get through signing day and get through the bowl game and then we can figure some things out. But I'm, that's just kind of the latest what I'm told. I don't like that idea, but okay, let's roll with it. All right. But you need to sit down and make sure that he, under, he has to understand there can be no drop off. Your position is too important for you not to be the best coach and the best recruiter you can be, right? Because Lincoln Riley just hired an elite recruiter to coach his wide receivers, a guy that was an elite recruiter for him at USC. Yeah. So if you're gonna if you're gonna go battle on the West Coast with Dell Alexander as your guy, then he can't be what he's been. Right. Otherwise, you're putting one you're 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 fighting with one arm tied tied behind your back. And that goes back and, to the accountability piece, right? Right. I mean, that's that's yeah. But that has to kind of permeate through your entire program. So it's got to be coaches doing excellence. It's got to be him being involved in recruiting and him setting that standard. It means making sure you're identifying the type of players you need to recruit to fit your systems, right? So if you want to run a certain type of offense, that's fine, but recruit to it. Right. If you want to recruit, run a certain type of defense, whether it's 3-3-5, 4-2-5, 4-3-3-4, whatever, then make sure you're recruiting to it effectively. And, 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 those are those are going to be very important pieces to this. And then, of course, you've got to be great closers. And great recruiting is about being great closers. And as good as this staff has been, they closed well to a degree, but they're not going to close off the way they need to. Now, right. part of it is there are some things that have happened that are out of their control, including the head coach leaving. But they're going to have to, you know, and moving forward, be even better than they've been. Now, they're going to have – Based on the latest intel I have when it comes to recruiting, and if you want to know what that is, you can check it out on the Irish Breakdown message board. I put up an intel piece last night mm-hmm. about who That's I think good. the next commit's going to be and how you know, actually next couple commits are going to be because we think a couple might happen here over the next week for Notre Dame. Not today. They're not getting Xavier Nwakba in case people are, people are asking <laughs> yeah, about that. not going to happen. That's not who it is. Uh, but, <clears> um, <throat> you know, there's some good things happening, some things that they got to, you know, cross your fingers on, things like that. But – they're going to have to. They're going to still have a top five to seven class this year, which is great. But there's, it can be even better. Yes. And that's the thing, and that's where that accountability thing comes down to is, is when you when you have a culture of accountability, you look at your number five recruiting class and you say, hey, great job, guys, and you point out all the good things. You say, but right, right. if we'd have done this, 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 and this better, we could have been number three or number two, or more importantly because I don't really care so much about the ranking right. per se, but we would have gotten that extra this that we wanted, or right. we would have had that extra that that we wanted, or our group of this would be better. Like, hey, this is good, but boy, it would have even been better if we had that or that or that. 
And then you say, okay, so what can we do to make sure that we don't miss out on that next year? And that's how recruiting has to be done, right? That's how accountability in a championship program has to be. Do you think if Nick Saban finishes with the number three recruiting class and they missed out on like maybe three of their seven top prospects, he should just sit back and say, hey, you know what? We finished number three, fellas. Good job. No, he's going to say, why did we miss out on corners in this class? Right. Why did we miss out on such and such in this class? What can we do? Is it just because a coach wasn't doing the job? Uh, maybe. Is it that we didn't do a good enough job identifying these players early? Is it that we didn't have a good read on on where we thought they were going to go? Uh, was there something that happened in the visit? Did we not get on them early enough? Did we get on them too early? I mean, there's you have to evaluate those things because Absolutely. it's not always as easy saying, well, that guy did a bad job, right? Okay, so like Chris O'Leary is not going to land anybody in this class as far as I know, right? So say, well, is he doing a bad job? I don't think he is actually. You have to look at it and say, okay, obviously here's some circumstances that happened in 2022, some things he can improve upon, some things that other people need to improve upon. But then you look at and say, okay, but but how can he get better? But then you look, okay, well, 2023 is looking really good at safety right now because they focused a lot more time exactly. on 2023 than they have 2022, right. right? So having that open, honest analysis, but saying, hey, but there are some things Chris O'Leary needs to do better as a first-year coach and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But always evaluating. And then you look at a guy like, uh, Mike Mickens or a guy like, you know, if Marcus Freeman is the defensive line coach, or if you look at the tight ends and John McNulty and you say, okay, these were strengths of our group, but could they have been better? Should they have been better? Offensive line. It's going to end up as one of the five to seven best offensive line classes in the country. Okay. That's great. Could it have been better? Should it have been better? What do we need to do? Hey, I like this group of five, but you know, we have a lot of interior guys in this class. Right. Okay. So is that what we wanted? Okay, it is. Cool, let's roll. Or if it's not, then what can we do to make it better? And those always have to be part of it because it's not just about go get the best players. There has to be some strategy involved. And I think at times in the past, Notre Dame, and even so recently on offense, it's gotten a little bit better, but it's kind of like everybody's kind of out doing their own thing. I want to get my guys. It can't be about that. It has to be about here's what our goal is as a defense. Here's what our goal is as an offense. And then it's up to Marcus Freeman to make sure he's holding both of those sides accountable. And, and then right. also saying, what can I do to make sure that we meet the standard that I've set for you? How can I help you achieve the objective and the standards that I've put placed upon you? And that's going to be the key. And I think the coaches are going to love that. I think I right. think the coaches are going to love recruiting yeah. with Marcus Freeman as the head coach. Yeah, it, because it, yeah, there's going to be accountability there, which is great. But there's all, but they're going to be in lockstep, and they're he's going to be on the front lines with those guys. Say, hey, what can I do? Where, where, where do you need me? What do you need me to? Right. Like, that has not been the case in the past, and I feel like it was kind of an every man for himself, like you mentioned. I feel like it was a charge. Hey, just go get these guys, and you know, don't bother me for the next three and a half hours. I got a tea time. Like it was, it was just a situation of. And I, I don't mean to sound negative but i'm just saying well it's true it's i i know i I'm, I'm trying to steer in the other direction i'm trying to be that guy but um it's going to be different because of the marcus freeman wants to be involved he wants to be involved and it's going to be a different feeling for these assistant coaches because he's going to be right there in lockstep with what they're trying to do and that's just a different feeling that's been around this program for the last decade that's just a fact Right. And so you're right. I think it's going to charge these assistant coaches. It's like, wow, the head coach is willing to do this, man. Let's go. 
you know, and he's going to hold me accountable and he wants me to get this guy and he wants me to do this. I just think that matters. I really do. The next key, number three, this has to be a program that is built on development. Now they used to, they started using this term a year ago when the last couple of years, like we're a developmental program, right? Like I swear sometimes following Notre Dame football, it's kind of like following a political party. Because you like you start hearing all these talking points that like everybody starts using at the same uh-huh. exact time. Yes, and it's, it's very like obvious. okay, this is new. Uh, and and one of them was we're a developmental program. That was code word for we're taking this three star kid that needs three years to develop because that's just what we have to do. That's recruiting. Today. That's recruiting failure skin. Yes. Now, having said that, that phrase applied properly is a good thing. And we've Absolutely. talked about this. There's a developmental program that looks like what Mike Elson has done with the defensive line. Right. And then there's a developmental program that looks like the secondary, which is not, a, a you know, not how it should be. Or, you know, we've talked about some other positions where it just, it, it's, it's no, that's, you're not a developmental program. You just failed to do what you needed to do at that particular position. Right. Right. And so being a developmental program means your focus has to be, it's really a, a to me, a twofold focus really threefold. Number one, being a developmental program has to begin with recruiting because, and how you build your roster. That's Mm -hmm. important because if you don't recruit and build your roster, you have no team to go out and play. Right. So what does it mean to truly be a developmental program? Not, well, we're just going to go after these fits and, and the way that it's been explained. That's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about, however, is the reality is, is Notre Dame is always going to have to be a program built on high school players. There will be times when they will get grad transfers. We've seen it this year. They tried to get a Caleb Evans. They got Kane Madden. They got Jack Cohn. There will be kids like that. Notre Dame is not going to be a program that can just go get eight, nine, ten transfers every year. And if they are able to do that, what I mean can't do that, it's not that they literally can't do that. It's they can't afford to do that. Because being at Notre Dame, even if you're a three-year college player, requires – a whole different mindset that it takes adjusting to unless you're getting a kid from Stanford or Northwestern or Duke, right? It's just the reality of it, mm-hmm. okay? And so you need to make sure that it's much harder to 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 ensure you don't have the time to invest in recruiting a transfer that you do a high school kid now, where sometimes it's two years of relationship building yeah, where you really more. get to know this kid and his strengths and his weaknesses and things like that. And and knowing what you're bringing into your program, okay, that's part number one. Part number two is it is it is harder. It is, and we've always said this. It is harder to get transfers to Notre Dame than it is to get high school kids, sure. because of just it's understandable if a kid goes somewhere and he's taking a stereotypical course load that we we would talk about of an SEC school, then he's not going to be able to transfer to Notre Dame. He's not going to either have the GPA or the course requirements to get right. there. That has to be factored in, right? So when you look at the, that aspect of it, is it's fine to 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 go on the transfer portal if there's the occasional standout right. that happens to fit what you're looking for. Right. Go for it. Go get them. That's just not going to be there often, right? Right. And then if it, the, the transfer portal needs to be used for plugging holes, unexpected holes, maybe hey, we had two major injuries at linebacker. And we, you know, we, we can go, we, we've got some really good freshmen coming in, but we need a kid that can kind of come in and help us out right now. Okay. Then, then do what you got to do. 
so-and-so transferred unexpectedly right and we're not in the position to go it's, or it's a whole filler i mean it's a whole it's not you don't want to go in there and it's a short term fix i think is a better term it's a short term fix yes that's right it's not it's not stable like that's right. it's duct tape to be honest with you it, you know what i mean it's not it's you're not building a foundation by using the transfer portal more often than not and if right. you're counting on that to be your program builder then you're not building the proper program Right. Now, other schools can do that. Well, sure right. This can. is specific to Notre Dame. Correct. So Absolutely. if your response is, well, so-and-so use the transfer portal, we're not saying other people can't do that. We're saying Notre Dame can't and shouldn't do that. And Notre Dame will hit pay dirt at times in the transfer. I mean, it'll happen. Right. Of course. Right? I'm not saying it can't And that's happen. been – I mean, 2014, if they don't get Cody Riggs. Yeah. I mean, when you – when you because you look at – you know what happened with Kavari Russell and some different things. If they don't get Cody Riggs, right? You know they're in trouble that year. Absolutely. I mean, even more than they were, and and so it's been good for them. Well, you know, Jack Cohn. Right. Here you go. Yeah. Exactly. So there's nothing wrong with the transfer portal. It just right. has to be used correctly. The other part of being a developmental program is it kind of goes into how what kind of coaches you you bring in. Yes, they have to be great recruiters, but they have to be great teachers. And you need to make sure that you're bringing in coaches that know how to coach the entire depth chart. One of the biggest flaws of some coaches at Notre Dame, and this is one of my big knocks on Dell Alexander. I'm just going to use him as an example today. So sorry, Dell. You're going to be the example (laughs) this, this, this show. All right. One of the big issues was is once the season started, if you weren't in the rotation, you got no coaching from Dell Alexander. I think from what I've been told, you you contrast that with a guy like a Mike Elston, a Harry Heastan, you know, guys like that, that that did a much better job of coaching the entire roster. Right. I've t- been told that, uh, you know, Lance Taylor's been really good about that. I, Clearly. I, I don't know that firsthand, well, but I that's mean, just what I'm told. All I can do Every is time they put a running back yeah, in the game, exactly. the guy makes plays. Exactly. That That's all I can go by is the product that I see on the field right. on Saturdays, right? Whereas when, when young guys often have gotten put on the field in the past and their name a receiver, they look lost. Yeah. Exactly, or they're, or they're not, or they just don't put them in the game because they're not ready to play, right? Because you're not coaching the entire roster. Number two, you have to have a, a good coach in today's game, especially, has to know how to have to have a plan for how am I going to coach my senior that's a three year starter, and how I'm going to coach my stud freshman at the same time because the needs are different, the demands are different, the focus is different. You got to coach both of them, right? Because coaches at Notre Dame have to be able to make sure that their veterans are ready. I still believe at the end of the day, Notre Dame is better if they have a veteran roster. But that, but but not having a veteran roster isn't an excuse for not still being really good. It just means yeah. you got to coach it differently. And see, this is where GAs come in handy to me, right? So there are days, and, and some people use GAs the wrong way, right? If you have a really, really, really good GA, you can send them with the younger kids while you work with some of the older kids, right? Or it the way I think it probably normally would go, you have the GA take the experienced guys, right? The guys that know what's going on. You can run them through some drills and, you know, some day-to-day stuff, right? While you go down, you really work with those younger guys, mm-hmm. you know, divide and conquer a little bit, right? I, I think there, there's ways to go about doing that so you can – because, look, the wide receiver room, there's a bunch of – guys. well, <laughs> usually that's a, that's a high-volume – uh, as far as as individuals, you know, right? It's not like the quarterback room where there's like four, 
right? They, the wide receiver room can have up to 10. You know, the, the O-line room is a big room, you know, that yeah, kind of stuff. I mean, ideally right? you want to have 15. Right, exactly, right? And now they've got like five. But right. um, ideally you want to have big numbers. So that's what I'm saying, kind of like a divide and conquer situation. Right. But you have to take your time, if you're the wide receivers coach, the main guy, to work with those younger guys. Right. And taking some of the cream off the top and we're focusing on and also creating a system in which you encourage your veteran players to, to, to coach up the younger players. Yeah. Exactly. Hey man, listen, That's I can't good. be coaching everybody when right. you're not in there. I need you to work. So like, Hey, That's huge. Kevin next year, Kevin Austin. Hey, Kevin, Dion and Tobias success is partly going to be up to you. Right. And that's what great programs do. I mean, great programs, when they guys have guys leave, Quentin Nelson was this way. Alex Bars was this way. Yes. Robert Hainsey was this way. They would look back and see the success of the kids that came along. Why? Because they felt they played a role in that player's development because that's the kind of culture that Harry Heastand created. It's There's an accountability. If these guys aren't ready to play, that's, up to, that's on me and that's on you, right? Because I can't be with them all the time. I can't, by NCAA rule, I can't keep my freshmen after practice every day to work with them. I wish right. I could. Right. By NCAA rule, I can't. Do you know who can? My captains. Exactly. My starters. Exactly. Guys like that. It's huge. Taking guys under their wing. You have to create that culture. Yeah. You have to, you you can't just expect a, a, a player who's got, he's got classes to worry about. He's got family stuff to worry about. He's got a girlfriend to worry about. He's got. Some kids, some of the players don't even have kids. They got kids to worry. I mean, you can't just expect them to 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 know that they need to be mentors to their right, teammates. Exactly. You have to you have to foster that environment. No, it's day true. one. It's and true. how that gets fostered is is once you create that. Now, when those freshmen are being mentored, they understand when they get to be the veterans that they then have to do what was done to them. Mm-hmm. And it just, it breeds in your program. Yep. And I, I want to speak to something. Michael Brahoney, didn't they get Elohi Gilman from the transfer? I thought we listed like several guys. We're not saying not to do the portal. We listed right. Cody Riggs. We listed Jack Cohn. Elohi Gilman was a big one. Huge. What we're saying is you can't have it be what a lot of people think the portal is going to be, which is now you're just, okay, let's go scout the portal. You know, and in right. free agency, some teams are going to do that. Right. Don't, don't worry. You can get them in the portal. That. Like, that's right. not how you need to operate. Right. Yeah. And when those kids come along, then you take it. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But Alohi Gilman was a little bit of a different animal because you know if the kid's at Navy, yeah. you, you there's certain things you don't have to ask yourself. Correct. Is this kid disciplined? Does this kid have academics? I mean, those type of things are already assumed Right. Because he's at the Naval Academy. And, and so now it's about what kind of player is he? Does he fit culturally here? Those kind of things. And of course, Alohi Gilman absolutely was. Mm-hmm. But it's not something that can be the foundation of it or even a big part of it. It has to just be, okay, the right opportunity came along, a.k.a. Alohi Gilman. Or yeah. we have to get out on the market to look for a quarterback because we're not in a situation where we like our quarterback depth chart coming back because – we lost Phil Dracovic, Brandon Clark's got an injury, and Tyler's a freshman who's played one year of football in the last right. three years. Right. It was a succession of things and it that kind of happened that made it to where they needed to go actively pursue a quarterback. There will sense, be times yeah. for that, and that's okay because yeah. sometimes those things are out of your control. Right. If you have like three major injuries at a position, or like let's say a receiver, 
you know, you have, let's just say they don't have the, the drama that happened with all the transfer, but you know, you have to move Xavier Watts over there because you've had injuries at safety. And then you have two injuries yourself. Now all of a sudden it's like, okay. And then we lose two guys in the NFL. It's like, you know, we've had some bad luck. We have to go, we have to go plug a hole. Okay, go for it. Right. But it can't because what happens is you get lazy with it. Exactly. And this is one of the issues Brian, I've, you know, I've been told Brian Kelly had when it came to the transfer portal. He looked at the transfer portal as like this new resource when in fact you can't, it, it's like you're wasting your time. Exactly. Because, you know, 90% of those kids you're not going to be able to pursue. And, and so it's got to be a developmental program. But that, that development starts with who you recruit, how you recruit, and then what you do when they get them here. Those are have to be keys, have to be keys to success for Notre Dame. Number four, you have to be elite on both sides of the ball. Yes. I wrote an article last week, and I believe it was last week. These days have kind of all bleed together at this point in time. And it was Marcus Freeman has to avoid the big mistake that Bob Davey and Charlie Weiss made. Now, there were several mistakes they made, but there was one big theme to why both of them struggled. Now, Charlie had two big themes, and and, and and Davey had two big themes. One of the two were 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 unique to each coach. I don't think they're going to be issues with Marcus Freeman. Davey, recruiting. that He wasn't a dynamic recruiter. Right. Not worried about that with Marcus Freeman. Right. Charlie Weiss didn't understand the need to coach technique, and that's a big thing. That's what or that depth. development part talks or, about. Or right? depth. Or depth. Yeah. But the technique thing was big. Sure. He just thought scheme, 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 and you have to teach these kids how to play. And and, and look, and you his introductory press conference, right? I mean, that's all he talked about. Was We're going to out scheme. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and and so I'm not worried about that with Marcus Freeman either. So what the the other big flaw each had is Bob Davey was never able to do, to build an offense that could match what he had built on defense. And the combination of that plus recruiting doomed him, amongst other certain things. But those were, to me, the two big overarching flaws. Charlie Weiss's last year at Notre Dame, when they went 6-6, six and six, they had the number eight offense in the country in yards. But they went 6-6 six and six because they stunk on defense. Mm-hmm. And they really stunk on defense his entire tenure. And he never understood how to generate an elite defense. Now, part of that was because he never understood the need to be a fundamentally sound football team. That hurt his defense more than it did his offense. Right. But it was it was that if, if Charlie Weiss would have had the defenses that Brian Kelly's had all but three years of his tenure, I mean, say what you want about Brian Kelly, but outside of the Brian Van Gorder era, they've had very good defenses. Absolutely. That's been their calling card, really. Right. When they've been championship contending teams, right? And I mean, by being in the national championship game or being in the playoff, I mean, is anybody going to say that it wasn't the defense that was the driving force? There's only been one year where you could argue the offense was the driving force behind their success. 15. One and a half. 15 and 17. Okay. Right? But I think the defense came along pretty quickly in 2017. Yeah, agreed. So it's about making sure you're, you're – but Kelly's problem is he can never build an elite offense. So he was a bit of a unique problem. The reason I pointed to Charlie and Davey is because they weren't head coaches before. And that's the danger that a lot – oh, he's never sure. been a head coach. Oh, yeah. So the challenge for Marcus Freeman is I have no doubt he's going to have an elite defense. Notre Dame already has a really good defense. They're recruiting already at an elite level since he's been here. I have no 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 doubt that they're going to be good there. 
What he has to do is avoid the mistake that does tend to happen with a lot of defensive-minded coaches. This has hurt Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart's been about, like, we're great on defense, we're going to run the ball, play control the clock, and, and we're just going to choke people. That doesn't work anytime he's played anybody worth a darn. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. Okay. The only time that's really worked is when they've played another team like that, AKA Notre Dame with Brian Kelly. Yeah. You, in today's game, you have to be elite on offense. Now, elite can sometimes be scoring 40 plus points a game. Elite can be your 37 points a game, but you're super efficient and really dynamic in that regards. And so maybe you're at 37 because you've been able to take two you know, possessions off per game. You're really good at it. Whatever it is, right? Okay, you have to be really, really good on offense. Notre Dame has never been really, really good on offense. They've been either super explosive on offense, which they were in 15 and 17. There's been times they've been really efficient on offense, but completely lack the big playability. 2020, they have to be able to do both. Okay. They have to be able to go out and be really good on both sides of the ball, which is why you could argue that Tommy Reese is going to have just as big of an impact on Marcus Freeman becoming a national champion as Marcus Freeman is going to have on it. And that's sure. going to be where Marcus Freeman has to go to Tommy. And so what we said, right, when this whole thing started, he's got to go to Tommy Reese and say, Tommy, here's the expectation, right? Now, he made a comment that during his press conference, it kind of concerned me a little bit, it, but also the more I thought about it, I said, this could end up being really good. Because what he said was, is, I don't really care what kind of scheme you run. Yeah, he was asked what his offensive philosophy was. Right. right? He's like, yeah. I don't really care. Right. That's I don't, and I don't either. No. It's it's what what hire a coach that you trust him to run what he does, but then yes. demand excellence. Right. That's where accountability and recruiting excellence and development comes from. And that's what but, we don't know yet. I mean, right. to be honest with you, that's what we don't know. And and the fact that he was so adamant about getting Tommy Reese on his staff mm -hmm. and, and retained when when it came up, I think that that says something at least to me about their relationship. Now he's going to have to hold them to the very high so, standard. There was a comment that was made that I think a lot of people are taking sort of the wrong way, which was Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese were a package deal in that if Tommy Reese didn't say, they wouldn't have hired Marcus Freeman. There's some truth to that, but not the way that it's being explained by some. Yeah, It's being explained by some as Jack Swarbrick wasn't in love with the idea of having Marcus Freeman take over and then having a brand new coaching staff. Right. Because then you lose some of that continuity. He felt that it was important to maintain an entire staff, which is why Tommy Reese – see, Tommy Reese has caught the attention. Uh, I'm not sure why. Uh, I have some ideas why. But what they don't know is that, that Jack Swarbrick made big moves – to make sure Mike Elson didn't leave either. And I'm hoping I can share that story in, in a another month or two. I'm, I'm hoping. But they were making moves with Mike Elson before Marcus Freeman was hired as well. Yeah. Because to Jack, it was imperative that he maintained some level of consistency. If it wasn't going to be that, so then smart. you then all of a sudden the, the, the notion of keeping Marcus looks a little less attractive because he's going to have to start over and hire a brand new staff. Right. So, so you know, that was kind of the early concern. I, but it was also about yeah. that, from what I was told, Marcus Freeman said from jump, hey, Jack, if you, you know, from like he expressed his interest in the job right away. But when he did so, he expressed it with the thought of, I need him, I need him, right. I need him, I need him, and I need him. Right. Which is why Jack Swarbrick was doing things to try to keep all those coaches before he hired a head coach. Yeah, exactly. 
Right. And so it was expressed. So that's where the whole Marcus Freeman wasn't told you have to have Tommy Reese or you're not going to be the head coach. He wanted Tommy Reese. And that was part of the yes. deal. Yes. I, I, I believe with all my heart and based on something I've heard, if, if Tommy Reese felt he was being thrust upon Marcus Freeman and Marcus Freeman didn't want him, Tommy Reese would be recruiting for LSU or Oregon right now. Now in an Oregon, it would have not eventually happened. LSU, he'd be recruiting for LSU right now. I can say that with confidence. He stayed. Yes, he loves our name, et cetera, et cetera, because he was wanted. Exactly. And that's by the head hugely coach. important. And and look, anybody that doubted the process of Jack Swarbrick, can I just say that? I mean, I had faith in him, but I, there was times where I was wavering, you know, because it felt like it was taking a little bit longer than necessary. But the the process that he went through and the manner in which he operated through that process was a stroke of genius, in my opinion. I mean, he masterminded keeping that staff together and doing mm-hmm. what he needed to do to cut the pipeline off to LSU or anywhere else, right? I mean, I, I was very impressed at the end of the day from what looked like a disheveled Jack Swarbrick in that press conference, that initial press conference. Mm-hmm. And he kind of gave off this idea. is like, well, you know, I'm not really sure where this is going to go. And, you know, and, and there was some truth to that. But the manner in which he operated was just just impressive. I mean, it was just it was impressive. Mm-hmm. So but it but all of that is to say that I think, you know, we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot about Tommy Reese. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. And we're gonna learn a lot about Marcus Freeman as a head coach yeah. as to what the standard is going to be on the right. offense. And the, the accountability ball. that exists yes. to make sure that they live up to the standard that he's yes. going to set for himself in the defense. Because he's going to have this. I, I believe he's going to have the same standard offensively that he has for the defense. Well, and that's, I do too, but it's for both of us. It's a guess. It's a oh, we it's don't a know. total speculation on our part. Right. Yeah. But it's needed. He has yeah. to do it. He has to say, look, we don't have to score 50 a game. We don't have to be LSU from 2019. Right. Because we're going to have a great defense. But we have to be able to go into a playoff game and and, and say, hey, we're not going to be able to hold them under 20. <laughs> we can't. We may not hold them under 30. Have you seen this lineup with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase? And we, you can't just say, well, hey, that's an all-time great team. We're going to do everything we can to create stops. But you got to go score on them. Exactly. You got to help us out. Yep. And, and to me, that's going to be key. And, and I think if Marcus Freeman is able to create that culture where, hey, Tommy, here's the expectation. Now go do it. Right. Right. And I'm not looking over your shoulder every day because I'm going to see the results. You know, I'm going to see the results every day in practice when you're going against <laughs> our defense. Because if you're having success against our defense, and I know you're doing something right. 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 And, and, and so. And they that, have that. They have that yeah. competition. That you could just see it. Yeah. Like, okay, it was a photo op, but you can read body language. I feel like I'm pretty good at reading body language. When you saw right after Freeman's press conference, when he went to the airport and Tommy was there and they dapped each other up, yes, it was a photo opportunity, but you could just see it was like a let's go. Yeah, right. And, and I think this duo is, along with Mike Elson, is the veteran presence and Mike Mickens. I mean, they did you see all the places they went yesterday? That's unbelievable. It was insane. And you and can the tell thing because Marcus was, was still with, wearing the same suit. Yes. And at times <laughs> he was with the defensive staff. And yeah. other times he flew down to be with Tommy Reese at a different place. It's been insane. It's unbelievable. What they've done. And I think that you have to, you as a head coach, you have to have your hands in everything to yeah. a degree. Meaning you have to know what's going on on offense. 
but there's a difference between knowing what's going on and micromanaging. It, exactly. Right. Exactly. Urban Meyer knew everything that was going on on defense at Ohio State, but it doesn't mean he was dictating every little thing that's right. going on. Yep. Right. But he set the standard and then he was making sure that you lived up to that standard on a daily basis. And if you didn't, he would understand why and he would deal with it. And yeah. Marcus Freeman's going to have to get to that point. Right. But it, there, there does need to be some trust. Tommy, this is what I'm expecting of you. Now go do it. Right. And and to me, that's going to be key. Because if, if they're not, if they if they're just kind of what they've been on offense in the past, they're always going to keep falling short, in my opinion. They're going to out-talent people the way they always have, but they're not going to be good enough in the big games. What excites me is this notion of because the thing that people say about Tommy, well, Tommy Reese is this. And I'm like, okay, there's some I've had some issues with Tommy Reese as well. But the sure. thing you have to remember is Tommy Reese is still an evolving coach. Absolutely. He's not Joe Moorhead, who's been coaching for a long time, because when when you hire Joe Moorhead, you you know what you're getting. And it just it is what it is. And I like it. And I thought that's what they should have done in 2020. And the whole thing we said about Tommy Reese is hire Joe Moorhead in 2020, let him under let him groom Tommy Reese for two years. And then when he leaves for head coaching job in two years, Tommy's ready to take over. Well, that's exactly what would have happened. <laughs> he, he was at Oregon for two years and then took the Akron job. Right. That's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. Well, now Tommy, even though I think it hurt them a little bit in 2019 or 2020, and I think the fact that he's young and was a Kelly protege kept him from maybe having the voice maybe he wanted or should have had. Right. Early this season. Now he gets a chance. But he had that. Now he had the experience. Yeah. So now moving forward is where my excitement comes. My excitement yeah. doesn't just come from what I've seen, although the last six games was, you know, schematically really fun to see. We saw some things we weren't used to seeing. As long as he understands you're a college coach, not an NFL coach, as long as he understands the importance of having a, a dynamic quarterback, whether it's a passer or a runner, whatever, just be dynamic. And as long as he continues to be, and we'll get to the next point here in a second, you know, sort of always staying fresh and building around his players, I think he's going to keep getting better and better and better and better and better. Tommy Reese is not Tommy Reese is not peaked at twenty nine. I hope not. He, he, he hasn't. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. And and so that's what excites me about what this two this these this group with Lance Taylor with right. Multi with Mike Mickens. It's not just Freeman and Reese. It's not just Elston Reese. It's all of them. And then he's got to make good hires. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And then the final piece, Vince, and it goes along with this, is Notre Dame has to be innovative, not reactionary. And yes. that comes to every facet of your program. Yep. It and comes that, to your scheme. Yep. It comes to your development. It comes to... Your Facilities. operation, it comes to everything. Everything. And they have yeah. to be that way. No question. And 
And you know this this comes up because the the, the previous staff was more reactionary than they were evolutionary, you know, and staying ahead of the curve. It was, wow, we just got our butts kicked in 2012 in the national championship game by Alabama. That's who we want to be. And then you go about changing your operation so that you become the next Alabama as far as, obviously, I'm not talking about as a program. I'm talking about offensively where it's linemen and just ram it down their throat and we're going to do what we do and then that's it and blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, Alabama's adjusting and they're moving forward and they are evolutionary and they are, you know, getting the dual threat quarterback and throwing the ball all over the place while they just left Notre Dame in the background. That's how Notre Dame needs to be. They need to be the team that is on the cutting edge, whether Mm -hmm. it's in scheme, whether it's in recruiting, whether it's in facilities, whether it's, you know, nutrition, you know, whatever the case may be, that's how Notre Dame needs to be. Right. And I feel like, you know, it's funny. Uh, I can't remember who said it. it was somebody on, on a TV network someplace said something about how now Notre Dame is cool because of Marcus Freeman and because he's got kind of a younger staff and all that, whatever. To me, the way I translate that as now Notre Dame is going to be on the cutting edge. Right. Like that's where they need to be. I would never use the word cool. That was what they used. But now Marcus Freeman is going to always be looking, again, my opinion based on mm-hmm. everything I've heard him say, he's going to be looking at how to adapt, how yeah. to enhance, how to be on the cutting edge of everything. And I think that's just – that's really, really exciting. And right. that's program-wide again. And that's, right. what, that's what I'm looking for. And, and it comes down to scheme too. You know, like you've got to be able to read – what makes <clears throat> Nick Saban and Urban Meyer so great is either they either set trends – or they have an early read on where the trends are going, and then they get ahead of it. Right, and and that's going to be something we need to see from the staff. As you, if you're always playing like like Brian Kelly spent so many so much time trying to chase 2012 Alabama that he started falling way behind the rest of college football. Exactly, and and you know, you just you can't be that way. You've got to find out what works for you. And when you get your butt kicked, it's not like I want to be like them. It's like what do we need to do? with and who we are to make sure that doesn't happen again and we kick their butt next time. Right. And and that's going to be the key. And that, that sometimes that means big change. But but it, it's change geared towards being trend setting and that's that's what where it needs to be. I want to get through some super chats here Vince before yeah. we wrap up from Matt Absolutely. Baisley. Any sense whether our folks are making NIL arguments seems like a powerful closing argument to me. Championships notwithstanding, we have one of the largest fan bases in college football. That's money. Notre Dame has not hidden uh, or run away from the NIL stuff. I don't, I mean, there's plenty of players that have deals. I mean, Isaiah Foskey has a clothing line. There's a lot of things going on. I just don't think Notre Dame is necessarily making it at the heart of their recruiting pitch, nor should it be. Because if that's at the heart of a recruiting pitch and the kid needs to hear that, then he's not really going to be successful wants. at Notre Dame yeah. because he's got to understand all that stuff. It, right. it has to be, hey, you got to buy all this stuff. And then, well, what about NIL? Buddy, do you know who we are? Right. We're Notre Dame. We're the most recognizable American institution and American program in the world. You know, like, trust me, you come here and handle your business. The NIL will take care of it. Oh, look what Kyle Hamilton's got going on. Look what, you know, look what Isaiah Foskey has going on. And then you sell it that way. But they're not going to they're not going to sell it to where that's the main pitch. It'll be a part of their pitch. And from what I'm under what I've been told, they have not hidden it. They have not 
run away from it or shy right. away from it. They're just not making it making it the hard. But they're not they're not sitting there with an NIL deal ready to be right. signed by a player to get right. them to come to your school. Yeah, that, forget about the academics on the side. But look, man, look what we can do for you. Because yeah. if that's the primary focus of a player, he's probably not going to be a exactly. good fit at Notre Dame. Exactly. He it doesn't mean a player can't care about NIL. That go for it. It just needs to be a part of the whole package. Exactly. And if it you want, because here's the thing, what you sell is what they will expect. Right. A big problem Urban Meyer had compared to Nick Saban is Nick Saban sold to the process. The process equals championships, blah, 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 which leads to high NFL draft pick. Urban Meyer sold, we're going to make you a first NFL draft pick. So then when kids came, that was their objective. They didn't care about winning and losing as much as they cared about the NFL. I'm not saying they didn't care about winning and losing, but it wasn't their primary goal. It, the primary goal is the NFL. And so if things weren't going their way for that, then they weren't happy. Where at Alabama, they bought by the process. And so more kids at Bama will wait their turn to become stars because they know I may be the fourth running back now, but if I hang it on in two exactly. years, I'm going to be the number one running back and I'm going to be a first round draft pick. Yep. That kind of thing. <clears throat> but that's what Nick Saban sells in the recruiting trail compared to how Urban Meyer sold it. Can you handle this next one, Vince? Can you go ahead and read that for me? I sure can. QKibs97 says, how do you think Freeman will split his recruiting efforts on each side of the ball? Do you think it will be a 50-50 split or more 70-30 defense? I Personally, I think he's going to be wherever he needs to be. Right. It won't be, be a like, split. It's what do you well, need? Well, I've spent three hours today on defense. i got to go spend three hours on offense. It's going to be, okay, which one guy's up next? I, mean, I don't think it right. matters what side of the ball. And that's what I'm looking forward to is to see what his influence is going to be. Right. On the offensive side of the so ball. his his split needs to be a hundred and nothing. It's a hundred right. on the entire team. Exactly. And, and and it's it's one of those things where it's like, hey, here's our operation. Who are our top players? He'll have conversations with Tommy Reese about who they're going after, who they want, right. because it's about properly delegating your resources. Like Marcus Freeman doesn't need to go hammer a kid right now who's been adamant about like I'm not deciding until January. I'm adamant about that, and if you keep pushing me then I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. And I'm you, No. Okay. So that's not a kid that we necessarily have to ham. right now. We're right. just, we're in relationship building. And, and so Marcus Freeman's interaction with that kid will be different. Mm-hmm. Hey, this kid wants to decide by February of his junior year, or he's an early decider. So then it's like, Hey coach, we need you to help out with this kid. So it's about, it's about allocating your resources yeah. properly, understanding where kids are in their recruitments. Sometimes you got to get a kid on a kid early and push hard. Other times to say, hey, this is going to be a marathon. Right. And and here's here's what I need to do. And then it's up to the recruiting coordinators for each unit. So like be Chad Bowden on defense, Dre Brown on offense to make sure that they're working with the coaches on that side of the ball. And the coordinators are working with those guys and Freeman to make sure he understands where the priorities are. Right. And it's more about Tommy gets on the phone. Elsa gets on the phone. Hey, coach, we got to close on this kid. I need your help with this. Right. And 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 it goes that way. And then, right. of course, he's going to say, here's our top 15 kids, and I'm all over them. Right. Because some kids you don't need the head coach to really be on. Like, with all due respect, the head coach didn't need to be on Nolan Ziegler. You, the only thing he needed to do was, Nolan, you have a scholarship offered to Notre Dame. And that was it. Nolan was coming to Notre Dame. Right. Right? So, so you got you to know your make, guys. You need to make sure, like, okay, I don't need to put the full court press on him. We need to make sure he knows he's loved and wanted Absolutely. and appreciated and then – Here's your role. You're a leader of this recruiting class now. Right. Go get us some more guys. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Other guys, up. you need to make sure you don't stop recruiting them. Right. I mean, hey, this kid committed, but we're going to stay on him because other schools aren't going to stop committing him, and he might be one that's vulnerable. So it's it's the whole thing, and it's just about wherever his, he is needed, he needs to be there. Right. 
Um, it's <laughs> just got a, a flashback of the Three Amigos movie. You know, wherever we are needed, we'll be there. You remember that thing? Um, right. So, but that's got to be his thing. It's like he's got to have his recruits that he's yes, going after. Absolutely. But then he always needs to be ready to say, hey, if I make a call, if I'm doing this, if I'm doing that, then I, then I'm, just let me know where I need to be. Right. Let me know who I need to call. And that that's going to be the thing. So, but, but good question. But I don't think it's going to be like a split. It's going to be on whatever the needs are at the time. Yeah. And then he's got to oversee all of it because you can't have a culture of accountability, which is our first point, if the head coach doesn't have a full firm grasp on the entire operation. And that's one of the failings of Brian Kelly. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of let me know what's going on when I need to, but he wasn't in on the day, day to day. Marcus Freeman will be and has to be. Mike Nolan, Super Chat. Thank you, Mike. I've heard it said that Nerdy needs uh, to upgrade facilities. What exactly is needed in terms of that to match the best? Okay, first of all, that's the part that's, of that is just an old that's outdated, like outdated criticism that people bought into it uh, 10 years ago, hundred percent true. And what they need to do in terms of uh, upgrades, uh, pick something involved with a football program and it needed upgrading. Right. Right. Stadium, indoor facility, practice fields. Those are all top notch. Uh, there are things that, that, that in the, I think the Goog needs to continue to be updated. I think that's an area where they can do better. I think the, 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 the workout facilities in the Goog can be upgraded in some areas. I think that the locker room and the player area, I think, are things that could be, and they all, that I, be upgraded. And there's a plan to basically, I don't want to say gut the Goog, but they're going to they're going to they've already raised a ton of money yeah. for though. Th this isn't something we're saying this and now we're going to. OK, Notre Dame, th they're already working on that. Right. They're already ahead of it. And that's one of the yeah. things I'm going to have an article coming out here over the next week that I was encouraged to write by someone that I respect. And so I'm going to do it. And it's basically it's going to kind of discuss why Brian Kelly never won a championship in Notre Dame and and my beefs with him. And my biggest beef with him is he constantly threw Notre Dame under the bus mm -hmm. for his own failings. Notre Dame has spent, raised and spent over a billion dollars in the last 10 years upgrading the football program. And, and the things that Jack Swarbrick has done to stand by his side when a lot of people thought he should be fired. Look, the only time people thought Brian Kelly should have been fired wasn't 2016. There were two incidents involving students on campus that some people thought Brian Kelly should have been fired over. Uh, the academic issue, people thought he should have been fired over. I don't think he should have been fired over those things. They were sad, unfortunate, bad yeah. things, but I don't think they were necessarily Brian Kelly's the reason it happened. But at a lot of schools, they just said, hey, man, we don't want the PR. We don't want the bad press. You got to go. You're the fall guy. They stood by him. They spent over a billion dollars upgrading his facilities. for So for him to leave and act like the school wasn't willing to step up to the yeah, plate to support him up. was absolute freaking bull crap. And it, it, it epitomizes why I despised him as a head coach so much, because he was so unwilling to look in the mirror and say, you're the freaking problem. And and I'm hoping Marcus Freeman is that way. But I'd say the Goog is the one thing that continues to be fixed. Now, some people say they need to have player only dorms. No, it's never no, going to happen. And Nor not, should it. Yeah, exactly. Nor should and it. I don't want it to happen. You, and if you talk to Notre Dame kids, you, you talk to the football player, they like the fact that they're in the vast majority, I should mm -hmm. say, like the fact that they're with the student body. And they've talked about it. Hey, man, we love looking up in the student section and say, hey, th those are my guys up there. Those are, you know, those are the guys I room with. Those are the guys in my dorm or whatever. They, they have friends at other programs. They look up in the student section. They have no idea who any of those people are. And so – Right. Sorry, 
it's a Notre Dame thing, and it's not going anywhere, and I like it. So it, it just is what it is. So uh, we have a couple – we don't have any more Super Chats. We have a couple people here asking questions about recruiting. Uh, Jay Montalbano. Brian, have you heard any big pickup in recruiting? I have. Uh, I think Notre Dame is going to add a couple kids to the class here over the next week. I would encourage you to, uh, if you're a member, check out the message board and because there's an Intel piece on there. If you're not a member, it's a good reason to sign up because my thing is like, I'm not going to go publicly say this is going to happen. Uh, I've always been that way. But now with the board, we have a way of kind of getting some Intel out. That's more in a private manner uh, that so people can kind of have an idea of what's going on. So uh, check it out. Check it out for sure. And we have a couple of things. Somebody asked if I expect Notre Dame to pick up some commitments in the next week uh, on top of what he had said. So that's why I wanted to bring that up. I do expect Notre Dame to pick up a couple players here in the next week. Guys that are currently not committed. So not like getting Devin Moore back in the class. That's right. not what I'm referring to. Uh, a couple guys that have not been publicly committed to Notre Dame. So you're going to you're going to want to go there. Can you, can you, yes, you can gift a membership. There's two things you can do. Number one, you just buy the membership and make sure that that person has the, the login information, and then they can kind of go in and change their password if they want. And then if they want to keep the membership, they can then go in to their account and switch the, the pay, the payment method out if you want to get them something. So yeah, just go sign up uh, for a membership and then, and then, you know, handle it that way. But yeah, you can gift it in that regards. And uh, is IB headed to Phoenix for the game? Yes. Vince will be there uh, covering the game. I'm also going, but I'm going to be there in the stands. I actually bought a ticket and a uh, flight and stuff for my dad, which is going to be fun. I have not watched a game with my dad in the stands together since 2007. And then I'm bringing my 12-year-old nephew. I was finally able to convince his mom to let him come with us. So I'm very excited about that. He's going to have a blast. And um, so he's going to be in the stands with us, but we'll all be down there. And we are planning an, sort of an IB get-together. I have someone who's a member of the board who lives down in that area who's trying nice. to find sort of like a sports bar that I can kind of call and see if we can rent it out. And maybe I was thinking probably Friday night because more people will be in town Friday, Right. I would imagine. So maybe Friday night we might do something. Maybe it'll be Thursday. It just depends on the availability. But we do plan on doing something fun where we just – I'm not buying everyone dinner. I can't afford that. But I'll rent out a place where we can all come and eat dinner and hang out and talk and watch games because there'll be college games on that night and have some fun. So we'll definitely, definitely be looking for that. And we'll definitely have a post-game show, all of those different things that we normally do after games. That's absolutely going to happen. Um, You know, we'll see where that will take place, but uh, we're definitely going to do that. So, yeah. So that's going to do it for today's show. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already done so. Share our podcast with people. If you know Notre Dame fans uh, that that are that don't know about us, let them know. Share it on your social channels. Give us a five-star review if you're listening via podcast. We have had our best merch month already. Seriously. In seven days, we've had our best merch month. I got the Let It Play Out shirts up. I'm going to get the IB Nation shirts on the store today. I think it's really cool, Vince. Did I show you the picture of it? It's got yeah. the IB logo with Nation underneath it. Yep. I had it at first. I had it IB here and then Nation beside it, but it just didn't look right. So an IB Nation can have those on there here again soon. So tons of stuff on there. Uh, it's been a lot of fun making that stuff. And then I got a shirt that's going to be just for me. So uh, so I had I bought I had that special made last night. So I'll share it with you when we're done, Vince. Sounds good. Uh, but anyway, I'm looking forward to to having a blast. I hope to see a lot of you down there. Like yeah, I said, we're going to have an fun. IB get together. IB nation is going to come together. 
going to have some fun, have some dinner, sign up for the message board. We have some recruiting updates and we'll always put those type of things there and uh, going to have, have a blast. So for Vince, I'm Brian. Have yourselves a great rest of your day and we will see you again tomorrow at 1230 Eastern for our next episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.